Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Good morning, Frontline. It's good to see all of you again. Great to be back with you again. Uh, we have already just met with God, and I just—I really think uh, he wants to meet with us in just a really unique way this morning, even as we just continue. And so uh, you've already kind of gotten a sense of it, because all, all morning we've already been kind of going after it, but we're in a series right now looking uh, at the Lord's Prayer, and we're talking about prayer. I don't know why we call it the Lord's Prayer, by the way. Really, we should call it the Disciples' Prayer, because really it was the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray and that we're invited to, to pray. And so every week we're just kind of looking at a different uh, part of it, a different sentence of it, and we're talking about how do we really lean in and pray these prayers for our lives. Um, so I'll, I'll start this way. Um, my great-grandmother passed away just a couple weeks shy of her 101st birthday. Um, she had a very long, very full life, was almost 101 when she passed away. And for the last several years of my grandma's life, she lived in a low-budget, low-cost nursing home. Uh, this was not the Ritz-Carlton, okay? This, this was the kind of place you would go and you would be if you were on a budget, if you were trying to make those retirement dollars stretch as long as you possibly could. And in fact, all the years I remember my grandma, I remember her kind of living like a pauper. I mean, she drove the same old Chrysler for years and years and years until she finally couldn't drive anymore. She always wore the same clothes. Like she never really like upgraded her wardrobe or anything. Um, so our family, we all thought she was really poor. In fact, you know, when family members would say, hey, can, you know, can we pay for this? Can we help? She was always like, no, no, no. She would never take help or anything. But we thought she was, she was really poor. Imagine our shock when she passed away uh, as a family when we were informed that at the time of her death, my great-grandmother had an enormous nest egg that nobody knew about in a savings account, well over half a million dollars she had in actual like cash. In fact, uh, the inheritance that my parents got as a result of that, that nobody was expecting, ended up paying for my undergrad uh, ministry degree. That's how my college was paid for, and my, my undergrad degree, which is just absolutely amazing. And to this day, I'm grateful to my grandmother. I'm grateful for the legacy of that, and she lived that way. But I'll say this, as I've gotten older, and I've thought back about my grandma and just the, kind of the way she lived her life in you know, the final couple decades of her life especially, I thought to myself, why, grandma, did you, did you not enjoy your wealth a little bit? Why didn't you treat yourself a little bit, grandma? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean we loved her. We, we loved my grandmother. We would have wanted to see her enjoying her wealth a little bit, living it up a little bit, even if it meant, you know, none of us were expecting an inheritance anyway. Even if we got a little less, we wouldn't have cared because we loved her. We want, I, would, I wish she would have lived it up and enjoyed it. And, and to this day, I have no idea why she didn't. That's probably a question I'll carry into heaven with me, having no answer to. Here's the reason I tell you that. is because when it comes to prayer, I think for so many of us, even sitting here in this room, even watching online right now this morning, 
for so many of us, even if we know Christ, even if Jesus is our Lord, even if he's our savior, that's what prayer is like for so many of us. In other words, we, we have these unbelievable riches that are available to us in Christ through prayer. And yet most of us, most Christians will go our entire lives and we will never lay hold of it. We'll never live into it. We'll never embrace it. And the problem is we think too small. When we go in and we pray and we ask God for what we need, you know, we're, we're content. We ask God for like a parking space at the mall, you know, or for the Lions to win next season. <laughs> right? When God can do so much more, he can do so much greater than that. And so what we end up doing a lot of times as, as Christians, because we think we're supposed to, is we say, you know, God, I'll, I'll trust you ultimately with my future someday after I die in heaven, but, but I won't trust you when I pray, you know, right now, immediately, intimately, personally, for, for my actual needs right now. And as a result, every single one of us, we are limited then to the poverty of what only we can provide for ourselves. So Jesus, teaching his disciples to pray, he teaches us to pray very differently than that. This is the line from the Lord's Prayer. We've already looked at the entire Lord's Prayer already this morning quite a bit. We're looking at verse 11 today, which simply says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus invites us as, as his disciples to pray and ask God, God, give us today our daily bread. Give me what I need for today. Which really, this sentence, this part of the prayer, really the question that it raises in our relationship with God, if you go ahead to that next slide, is the question, how generous is God? I mean, really, how generous does God actually want to be with us in, in our lives? We, we, we've got to ask that question at some level because, uh, you know, for so many of us, the way we interpret this prayer when, when we learn to pray it is, you know, just don't overdo it right? Like give us today our daily bread. Really what that means is just ask God for like the bare minimum of what you need to get by. Like don't get greedy. Don't, don't go big. You know, don't go crazy. All right. Just ask him for the bare minimum of what you need. That's, that's how we interpret this verse. And what we forget a lot of times as Christians is we forget that when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, that term daily bread is referencing a story from the Old Testament. Some of you remember what it is. Some of you know it. Others of you may not know the story. Daily bread comes from the story in the, in the Exodus. God's people, uh, Moses is leading them. They've been freed from Egypt, freed from slavery, and now they're wandering in the wilderness for years and years. Well, in the wilderness, as a nation that's wandering, they don't have provision. They don't have a way to feed themselves. And so what God literally does every single day, they wake up in the morning and he provides bread from heaven. It's called manna. And there's this like bread-like substance that's covering the ground and it's covering the ground in abundance. An entire nation has more than what they need. They can pick up as much as they need, but it only lasts for one day. So they can't gather more than what they need for that day. And then the next morning they wake up and again, this, this daily bread, this bread from heaven is there on the ground in abundance. They can take as much as they need for that day, but only for that day. And what God's doing is he's teaching the nation of Israel, his people, he's teaching them to be dependent on him every single day. You've got to come to me. You've got to be dependent on me, God says, for, for what you need. You can't get ahead of yourself. So when Jesus comes in the gospel, 
what he, he makes these statements about himself. We actually looked at this statement on Good Friday. Jesus literally announces, he says, I am the true bread from heaven. Because, you know, that story of the, of the manna, the bread in, in the wilderness that would be on the ground, Jesus says, it pointed to me. I'm the true bread from heaven, given by God. I've been, I've been this generous gift of God, and I'm going to give of myself on the cross so that you can be sustained, so that you can have life, so that you can be taken care of, but not just for one day, but for all of eternity, forever. I'm the true bread from heaven. So when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, give us today our daily bread, what, what, we're, what he's teaching us to do is that daily as we pray and we ask God for what we need, it, every single day it's freeing us from our own independence. It's freeing us from our own need to provide for ourselves by what we can do. And it's teaching us every single day to come to God, release control of what we can provide. Don't limit yourself to the poverty of what only you can provide and say, God, I want to tap into your inexhaustible, unbelievable riches, your unbelievable generosity that's available to me in the person of Christ. That's what we're doing when we're coming to God and asking for our daily prayer or our daily bread prayers to be met. Think about the daily, the weekly, the monthly needs of your life. Food, uh, maybe even weekly, you gotta put gas in your car, right? My wife gets super excited about getting a really good deal on gas. Anybody else like that? She's like, she just like goes around town and just like, I can't wait, I'm gonna find the best deal on gas. Driving around her 2007 Honda Odyssey that she will not get rid of. And so um, th this is, I'm gonna show you on the screen, a screenshot of an actual text I got from Carrie this past Saturday. Literally, she's out running errands and uh, suddenly I get, th this is the text I get from my wife. I'll, I'll do all the auto correct for you. Uh, she's, she's, the first bubble says, so guess what? I have an exciting story about gas. <laughs> Which literally at first you're kind of like, well, that could be taken a couple of different ways. <laughs> The next bubble comes up. Do you know how it went up to 377 or 379 everywhere? This is last week. She says, yesterday I had to get gas. So I went to, an Al to Alpine Meyer, and the speedway down the street was 379 a gallon. Meyer was still 344 a gallon. So with M perks, I ended up getting it for 333 a gallon when it was down to a quarter of a tank. I saved so much money. <laughs> <laughs> These are actual texts I get from my wife. So I, you know, I'm weird enough that I actually sat down and did the math from like 379 to 333 and how many gallons it would be from a quarter of a tank. Carrie saved maybe about $6 is what she saved in gas <laughs> by doing this. I wanted to text her back, well, hallelujah, let's go to Disneyland. <laughs> get the steak at Meyer, not the hamburger, you know. I don't text those things to her, by the way. I just think them in my head because... I don't want to die. <laughs> so she, but this is what we're, this is what we're like with prayer. We get so excited about these tiny little small things. We get so excited about small things that God could do. And don't get me wrong. God loves to provide in the small things. God wants us to ask for the small things. Ask for the parking space at the mall. Do it. Don't, don't, you know, go, don't worry about it. God's not bothered when we ask him for small things, but he's capable of so much more. He's capable of such greater things in our lives. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, he says, my God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. All your needs according to his riches, not his leftovers, 
not, you know, whatever he's willing to part with, out of his riches in glory. And what you see when you, when you read the gospels and you watch how Jesus interacts with people, you just see story after story of that, of how generous God wants to be with us. If, and here's the key, if we're willing to ask, if we're willing to ask. John 5, we've looked at this story together over the years multiple times. There's a, a man who's been crippled for 38 years. He's lame. He can't walk. And he's laying by the healing pool in Bethesda. Whenever the waters would stir, the first person who would get in the waters would be healed. Jesus walks in and he looks at this guy who's been laying there. He's been lame for 38 years, laying by the healing pool. And he says, do you want to get well? Like, seriously, Jesus? He's laying by the healing pool in Bethesda. Do, do you want to get well? That's the question Jesus asks him. You think it's like such a no-brainer, obvious question. But then if you read it, and we've read it before, you can go read it later. If you read, the guy actually doesn't answer Jesus' question. He just makes a bunch of excuses. Well, you know, everybody gets in ahead of me. No one's here to help me. I can't get in the water. And Jesus is like, no, do you realize who you're talking to? I am the healing you're looking for. It's me. I'm the one who can provide it. Do you want to get well or not? he's trying to help this guy understand and help us understand. It's not enough to just lay by the pool and hope for a miracle. You gotta rise up in faith and you gotta ask. Mark 10, a similar story. Blind bar beggar Bartimaeus is by the side of the road and he's calling out and Jesus comes up to this guy. He's blind, he's a beggar. And Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, he's blind. <laughs> by the side of the road. What do you think he wants? But Jesus doesn't heal him until he says, I want to see, I want to see. And Jesus is trying to help us understand it's not enough to just sit there in the crowd hoping for a miracle to happen in our lives, hoping for a healing to take place, hoping for provision to happen. It's great you came to church this morning. It's not enough to just sit in the crowd and hope something amazing happens. You got to ask. You gotta rise up in faith and you gotta actually name it. You've gotta ask for it. You've gotta give it a name. Jesus wants us to do that. Do you know what it is? Do you know what you're asking God to do in your life today? Do you know what the need is that only he can provide that you would bring before him today and say, will you do that? I think there's two reasons why we don't ask God for what we really need when we pray, number one is we don't ask what we really need because we think we're already gonna be able to provide it some other way on our own. I've got it, thank you very much. Or we don't really believe he's capable by his inexhaustible riches in Christ to provide what we really need. So we just don't bother asking. So there's one statement I want you to get from this, kind of the main idea of where we're going this morning. Jesus is not surprised that we have needs. He's, he is concerned with where we go to get our needs met. Let me say that again. Jesus is not surprised that we have needs. He's not shocked by that at all. He knows you have needs. In fact, he, probably, he already knows what they are even before you ask. Jesus is concerned with where we go to get our needs met. 
Because honestly, we, we all have our daily bread patterns, don't we? Everybody's eating somewhere. We've all got our daily bread patterns. Go, go ahead to that next slide, if you will. Maybe, uh, how would you fill in this blank? Every day I, what is it? Every day I visit this website. Every day I have this drink. Every day I binge eat this food. Every day, you know, I, I, I tune into this channel. I, I go to this place. Every day I check how many likes and comments I have on that post on Instagram. Every day I check my bank account to see. You know, you know why we do that? It's because it comforts us. It meets some kind of a need or else we wouldn't keep doing it over and over and over again. It's our daily bread. That's what it is. Every one of us already has something that, that has become our daily bread, our go-to, our, our place where we go to fix us, to comfort us, to, to give us, even if it's just temporary, even if it's not lasting, even if it's false, even if it's fake, to somehow give us that sensation that it's met our needs. Jesus is inviting us to come to him and ask big, to come to our heavenly father and ask big for what we really need. To say, I'm not gonna keep looking for it there, I'm coming to you. And to rise up in faith and ask. Now, uh, there's a couple of, let's just call them objections. <laughs> Whenever we talk about this kind of a thing, there are objections that go through my head. I'm, I guarantee in this room, several of you, these are, these are a couple of the obje objections, but wait a minute. <laughs> so I just want to talk about those for a second. Go ahead, the first one. Uh, a lot of times when we hear this or, or when we're challenged with this, what we immediately respond with is, you know, well, if God knows what I need before I ask him, why does he want me to ask? Right? Jesus literally says that in this whole passage in the Sermon Out. He says, God knows what we need before we ask him. He's God. So why do we need to ask? What's the point of making us ask? And what you have to understand is, is when we ask, asking God for what we need, it fortifies the relationship that we have with God as our Father through our relationship with Jesus Christ, His one and only Son, who we've put our faith and our trust in, so then we've been adopted in the family of God and we are sons and daughters. It's, it fortifies that relationship. When we come to God and we ask, we're breaking our independence, saying, I'm gonna, I can you know, provide for it myself. I can take care of those needs myself. And we're coming to him as our father and we're asking him to provide what we need. That's the relationship we're invited into. I love this later on in the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 7, the very next uh, chapter, going back to the, the subject of asking, Jesus says this, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who what? Ask, to those who ask him. The picture Jesus gives us here is relational, right? That, that's that we are supposed to come to God as our heavenly father and we're meant to ask him for what we need in Christ. We don't understand the access that we have to God as our father. We, we think we're bothering him. We think he's too busy. Or, or we only bother to pray these small prayers that aren't re really representing the actual needs of our lives because we, we just don't really understand that access and that relationship we have with him. 
I love you, all of you. I, you know, as your pastor for all these years, um, I, I truly do. I truly love every one of you. But if you, one of you comes to my house at 3 a.m. and you walk into our bedroom and you shake me and you wake me up and you say, hey, Pastor Brian, can I have a drink of water? I'm going to punch you in the face. That's what I'm going to do. It's not going to go well for you. I'm just letting you know. But how many times over the years has one of our boys done that exact thing? They come into the room at 3 a.m., right into our bedroom, and they wake me up and say, Dad, can I have a drink of water? And what do I do? I get out of bed and I go get him a drink of water, or I wake up, Carrie, and say, hey, can you, can you help him get a drink of water? Just being honest. <laughs> why, why do I respond to them that way? Because they're my kids. You're not. They have access to me that nobody else has. I don't just love them. I love you. I, I love them too. But they have access to me that nobody else has because of the claim they can make that they're my child. Do you, do you get it? That's us with God. When we, when we know Christ, when we've been adopted into the family of God, we are a son, we are a daughter. You have access. You can go to him. You can ask him for what you need. You can ask big I'm not saying he's always going to say yes. I don't always say yes to my kids, the stuff they ask. And part of that is because I love them. But we, we're intended to ask. I want my kids to come to me and ask for what they really need. That's how God feels about you. That's the first objection. Secondly, how do I know God will give me what I ask for? This is a question that, that we ask. How do I know? Like, like I don't want to getting my hopes up. Like, what if I actually do go big and I ask God for what I really need? What if he doesn't come through? What if he says no? What if I get my hopes up? What if I, what if I look stupid and foolish to others because I'm praying and asking God to do that? And what if he doesn't answer it? How do I know if God is going to answer my prayer if I ask big? Here's the answer. You don't. But should that stop you from asking anyway? Should that stop you from asking what you really need? Just because you don't know how he's going to respond? Uh, a few months ago, I, I had the chance to sit down with uh, a parent of a special needs child connected to one of our churches here in the Zero Collective. And um, Carrie and I, we have a special place in our hearts for parents who are, you know, going through the journey of discovering that their child has special needs and working through that because uh, our son, Aaron, our third son, has autism. He didn't speak until he was four and a half years old. He didn't interact with his brothers. He didn't even know he had brothers. And I remember those days were so hard just trying to figure out how do we, what do we do as parents? How do we help him? And even just not knowing like, is he, what's he going to become? Where is he going to go in life? Today, life is so different. Aaron today is diploma track. He's a junior in high school at Rockford. He's transitioned out of the autism classroom and is uh, fully included. He, he won the example of excellence award at Rockford High School last year. He, uh, he just took driver's ed and uh, he got the highest grade in the class for the, for the written test for driver's ed. He is, uh, he's terrifying to drive with. Don't let me kid you, he's terrifying. But his life has taken a trajectory and gone in a direction and he has overcome obstacles that I never would have even dreamed. There was a season of our lives where we never would have even dared to dream. We prayed for it, we asked God for it all the time. 
And, and now to see what he's doing is just absolutely mind-blowing. I'm sitting with this parent, and they're in that early stage with their child. And I remember how discouraging, you know, literally, it feels like dreams you have for your child just die with every doctor's appointment, every evaluation they give you. It's just like all these questions. They don't have any answers. What's he going to be someday? Is, is he, you know, going to be dependent on us his, his entire life? What's going to happen when we die? Who's going to take care of him? All those questions go years and years, and you have no answers to them. And so this parent is sitting with me, and this is the question they asked. How did you know? How did you know that Aaron was going to develop? How did you know he was going to overcome these obstacles? How did you know that was going to happen? So I gave him the most honest answer I possibly could give them. I said, I didn't, I didn't know, but I believed that it could happen. And sometimes that's actually better. This is what I said to this parent. It is not your job to know whether or not your child is going to develop and grow and overcome these obstacles. It's not your job to know whether it's going to happen, but it is your job every single day to believe that it can happen and to rise up in faith and pray for that for your child. Are you getting it? Are you seeing it? Where, where does this apply to you? Do you need God to heal you? Do you need healing this morning? It's not your job to know whether or not he's going to heal you, but it is your job every single day to believe that he is a healer and that he can heal you and to rise up in faith and ask. Hello? Do you need provision? Is that what you need God to do for you? It's not your job to know how he's going to provide, if he's going to provide on your timeline, how it's all going to happen. It is your job to believe every single day that he can do it that he can provide, that he is a provider and that he will provide for you and to rise up in faith and ask. Go big and ask. Ask for what you need. If we're not asking, if we're not coming to God as our father in our relationship with Christ, we are limiting ourselves to the poverty of only what we can provide for ourselves. And it's not on God if, if we don't receive what he has for us. We live our lives much like my grandma, not, not actually tapping into the unbelievable riches that we have in Christ. Is that you? What do you got to lose from asking big? He wants to do immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine according to his power. Let's be people who ask. I think about my own life. Where, where does this, what do I need? Where, where, where am I at with this? And I, I've shared with you, um, March, uh, I went through uh, my most recent set of six-month scans. Every six months, I go in and I get these full-body CT scans to determine whether or not the cancer is still in remission. And so in March, I got the good news that the cancer still is still in remission, which I'm praising God for and uh, thankful for. The, yeah, we, yeah, praise God. Thank you, God, for that. But uh, the doctor told me there are some suspicious lymph nodes that they're keeping an eye on and, and paying attention to. And we ended up talking about future treatment options and everything because they are expecting this to come back at some point. And so uh, I'm, I'm asking God for healing, for healing. A couple months ago, our staff was at a, uh, a church conference event. And I was sitting right next to David Dorner and we're sitting there and uh, the presenter on the stage 
uh, out of the blue, this wasn't part of the conference. It wasn't what we were there for. This presenter literally just goes, uh, hey, he goes, I, I just had, I, I think the Holy Spirit just prompted me. He said, uh, I always carry around with me in my bag, this little vial of anointing oil. And he goes, I don't know, if anybody in here in this room needs healing uh, and they would like someone to just come up with them and pray for them for healing, I'm just gonna leave this right here. And he literally on the stage, he just like sets the anointing oil down and just kind of backs away. And then we're singing and worshiping. And what he's talking about there is a reference to James, a verse in the Bible, James 5.14 says, is anyone sick? They should ask the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and pray over them to be healed. That's what, that's what that verse says. And literally, it's not weird. All you do is you just take a little bit of that anointing oil, put it on someone's head, and you just pray for them in Jesus' name to be healed. And then it's it's either God's gonna do it or he's not. It's up to him. But it's a, it's a way of asking. And so that wasn't even what we were there for the conference for. But when he set that anointing oil out and just set it there, I literally felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Brian, you need to ask David to go up there and to anoint you with oil and pray for you to be healed in Jesus' name. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. It's going to be weird. How's that going to make David feel? I don't want to put that on anybody else. I don't want to be up in front of everybody. I don't want to do any of that. So I sat there for probably another 30 seconds, 45 seconds while we're singing and the, the prompting is just getting stronger and stronger. So finally, I turned to David and I said, hey man, will you, will you come up there and anoint me with oil and pray over me? And, and here was David's response as only David Dorner would say. He said, man, I wanted to do that, but I felt like I was supposed to wait for you to ask. <laughs> well, of course, that's the way it works. Jesus says, do you, do you want to be well? Do you? What, what do you want me to do for you? We've got to ask. So, so I thought today, we were, we're talking about this service and um, all I felt like I was supposed to do was to offer you the same opportunity. And so here's some anointing oil right here. Here it is. If you need healing, I'm gonna set it right here. It's not weird. You can come up with somebody, maybe you can ask somebody who you're sitting with, just take a little bit of anointing oil, put it on their forehead and just pray that they would be healed in Jesus' name as we're responding, as we're singing. If, you, if you're not with somebody you'd feel comfortable doing that with, uh, you can go. There's a prayer uh, team on either side of the room, on this side, if you're physically here in the room, and then back in the back at the prayer wall under the banner, our prayer team, they've all got some of these vials of oil. You can pray and ask that. If, if you wanna go and, and ask for uh, someone just to lean in and pray with you for provision, if you wanna just come and kneel down and say, God, I'm asking this morning, I'm asking. Do you need breakthrough? Are you struggling with your mental health? Do you need <laughs> breakthrough when it comes to depression? God, my God is able to supply all your needs, Philippians 4.19, according to his riches, his riches in Christ Jesus. That's how he wants to provide for us. So let's do this. Um, would you bow with me? And you can start moving in the room even right now if you want. As, as we begin to pray, as we begin to just seek him, you can begin to go to the prayer stations. But as we sing, this is gonna become just a holy space. There's no judgment. But if you don't ask, it's on you if he doesn't provide. So Jesus, we just come to you right now. We just recognize that you are who you say you are. And when we come to you and we ask God, will you give us our daily bread? 
You're not standing back going, hey, don't, don't ask too big. Just ask the bare minimum. You are, the, you are our heavenly father who is literally standing there going, what do you want me to do for you? I'm capable of a whole lot. So God, we just come to you. We repent right now, Jesus. We repent of the places in our hearts where we try to provide for ourselves, where we find our own daily bread, where we take care of it for ourselves. Or God, we repent of the ways in which we just think that you're not capable. And so we don't bother to ask. And we just come to you this morning. We come to you. We come to you recognizing you are able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine. And it is not our job to know whether you're, it's not my job, God, to know whether or not you're gonna heal me. But it's my job every single day to believe that you can and to ask. And I'm asking, we're asking. So do it, God, do what only you can do. We, we just present ourselves before you for your consideration, knowing that you are a good father who loves us and you're capable of anything. And so we just ask you to do what you wanna do in our lives. We just want to open the door and allow it to happen. And so to that end, Jesus, we rise up in faith and we ask. And in Jesus' name, everyone said. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.